welcome back to another episode of the Heart Square podcast. Um, in this episode, we were joined by two members of our team, um, Andrew and Billy, and we spoke to them this week about what makes a successful project manager. Yeah, it'd be good to, uh, to hear what they've got to say. As you said, they've both um, <coughs> been with us for a while, run a number of projects uh, successfully. So, yeah, interesting to see what they cover in terms of kind of what are the the plain and basics, you know, the foundations of a, of a good project manager and any specifics about being a good uh, or successful project manager within the context of digital projects. So, yeah, we'll see what comes out, but we, um, yeah, good to hear what they've got to say. Yeah, definitely. So, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Andrew and Billy, welcome to another Heart Square um, podcast episode. It's great to have you both on again. Um, today, as you know, we're going to be discussing discussing what it takes to be a successful projects manager. Um, but before we get into that topic, um, I wondered if you could both introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about your role here at HeartSquare. If I could start with you, Andrew, please. Hi there, uh, my name's Andrew Scanlan. I'm a senior business change consultant at HeartSquare uh, and I've been here about three and a half years or so now. I'm currently working on a big CRM and portal implementation uh, at a, a major um, membership body um, about two-thirds of the way or so through that uh, project at the moment and uh, yeah looking forward to getting to go live. Great thanks Andrew and Billy. Uh, thanks Ellie. Yeah, so I'm Billy PA Business Change Consultant here at Heart Square and as Andrew I've been here about three and a half years uh, currently working on a large uh, CRM implementation at a national charity so we've just started the project um, with the aim to go live um, in this, uh, the autumn of this year and also working with another membership body on supporting them with project management practices and working on a range of projects in a portfolio. Thanks Billy. Um, yeah thanks and thanks both of you for joining us today. Um, as Eddie said we're going to have a chat about kind of what makes a successful project management uh, project manager easy for me to say um but shall we to start with i think maybe just kind of set the scene you know to be a successful project manager you have to have the kind of the basics the everyday stuff and then to be able to build on that that's what gives you the confidence and strength so do you want to start with just kind of describing some of the those kind of key foundation stone characteristics um i don't know andrew do you want to go first on that thank you um i think it's all down to organization skills uh in my opinion um i think the heart of being a project manager is is making sure the right things are done by the right people at the right time to move the project forward. Uh, and it's those organisation skills to to plan it all out and to uh, to act on it and to, I suppose, remain organised every day. So, so keeping a track of where things are moving, where things are changing um, on, on any part of the project. And it's that sort of balancing act um, of organising all of those different plates, keeping them spinning. Uh, I think that is the art of a project manager. Uh, what do you think, Billy? I, I would agree, but I think I would come at a slightly different tack. So I think as well as that, I think to me, the number one skill is communication. Um, so I think they probably go alongside each other, but I think being really clear, working across stakeholders, you know, to let them know when things need to be done and building those relationships, I think to me is, is very, very important. I think if you can articulate what you're trying to achieve and bring people with you, then I think you've got a, a, a really good chance of succeeding. So, yeah, I'd say very organised like Andrew and also very strong communication skills. <clears throat> OK, interesting. Um, yeah, and I agree with you. I think, you know, they're definitely those two are related 
you know, like you say, communication being one part, organising the other, you have to be able to <coughs> um, let people know what's expected. And I think you said that, Andrew. And I guess that's one thing I would tag into, which is around there's that piece around expectations, isn't there? You know, you, you it's your role not just to organise and communicate, but one of the outcomes of that is that everybody knows what's expected of them. Is that a fair playback on, the, on that point? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, and actually, I mean, I agree with Billy and, and the communication skills part of it. And it's communicating and, and working with all sorts of stakeholders from sort of senior stakeholders on your project board all the way down to uh, people working on, on the ground, sort of data input staff almost, and partners. Um, and uh, often sort of third party organisations as well. And uh, yeah, that variety of communication and making sure that all of those people um, understand their role in the project, uh, understand the tasks they need to do, but also understand how they need to do the tasks. Um, for, for most of the people we work with, um, working in a project is not their day job. It's new, it's unusual. Um, they need some support, they need some help, they need some mentoring. And I think part of that sort of expectation management with them is is giving them the skills uh, to do the tasks that they need. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it is about almost flexing your communication style as well. So giving an update to the CEO on the project and how it's going and managing their expectations might be completely different to liaising with you know, the, the, your day-to-day -day SMEs or, you know, your user testers. So I think it is about that as well and managing expectations, but also knowing the level of information different people want as well. I think it's really important. When you say about knowing the uh, the level of communication people want, is that kind of maybe the early days when you're, uh, when you're getting the project up and running, is actually understanding people's motivation, their role, their involvement, and how, like you say, how they want to interact with you. Is that kind of one of those cornerstones then to we were talking about successful projects yeah so we've got the this is the this is the piece you need to put in place to be a good project manager to succeed in your project then you have to apply it to the individual circumstances of your of each specific project actually is that what we're we saying there yeah andrea i can see you you nodding on that yeah no absolutely and i think it's knowing those different people as well i mean the first stages of a project um discovery uh, in a technical term, sort of looking at the systems, but it's also discovery for us, if you know what I mean. It, it's relationship building, um, meeting the project teams, um, un understanding their skill sets, um, but also understanding their communication styles um, and their needs within the project. And I think that sort of discovery of your project team, for us, our client, um, the partner it is all part of those first first stages and every project is different every person is different every project board is different every business lead is different um, and um, yeah require different kinds of management relationship whatever it might be from from us so a lot of that is tailoring on a project by project basis I think <clears throat> okay that's that's interesting because Obviously, you know, we talk a lot about having specific roles and responsibilities. You know, we're talking about digital projects largely, aren't we, and implementation projects, that kind of idea. And we're quite clear about kind of a set of roles and responsibilities. You know, you need a project sponsor, you need a project lead, you need your business leads, your SMEs, et cetera, um, subject matter experts, et cetera. But what you're actually saying is that even though those roles 
are required and the same in each different project, the actual the execution of that plan by you as project managers is is impacted by who those personalities are. And often, as to the great big, one of the big questions I know we have had is if the right person is in the right role is one of those challenges, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and while we sort of move forward under uh, a methodology, uh, a, a fairly template plan that we we adapt to begin with on an implementation, particularly, um, yeah, the individuals that you're working with, their skill set, the time they have available, has a massive impact on on how how the project is managed and uh, I'm not going to say how successful uh, that that's not a ca the case necessarily but certainly how the project progresses and, and how it is managed um, and it's just getting used to the expectations of the board what do they expect in terms of, of reporting and governance and information what do we expect from them how do they expect to be communicated with what's the relationship we have uh, with those people. Yeah, I think um, I, I would agree with that. I think also we've had to adapt and flex our style over the last couple of years as we deliver more boards remotely and you not necessarily have that opportunity to maybe meet those people and build up some of that rapport that you could do it. So you have to find different ways to do it. And I think, yeah, you're both right. It's about the people in those roles and flexing our style um for that you know some boards might want loads and loads of information and loads of reporting whereas others might want to just know the risks of the projects and everything's going smoothly so i think it's about how we navigate our way through that and sort of apply the basics that underpin our role across the different organizations that we work with and how we can get the best out of them for the projects to succeed yeah have you found that um <clears throat> i suppose an added challenge should we say over the past in the past two years because i know we talked a lot you know we talked previously about the value of you know being in the room with people certainly when you're kind of creating those relationships up front um and you guys have been in the front line for us obviously of of needing to deliver i suppose true things when they when when the pandemic first hit there was converting to to virtual for at least you knew the people there you know that's something but then you know as the spring turned to summer in, in 2020 you know there were brand new people you'd never met and you had to do all of that in a virtual environment was it substantively different would you say yeah, I think I think it was initially. I think especially like you say, when we first went to remote working, the majority of us were working with clients already. So we had been on site, so we did have that report. But as we've worked over the last couple of years and got new clients, I think it is just understanding that people now might consume information in a different way when presenting remotely. It's a bit harder to read visual cues, especially if maybe people have cameras off or on mute or, you know, so I think it is is really important to sort of almost set that stall out and say a first project board about this is how we're going to run it. You know, we want people to have their cameras on, we want people to engage with us because I think it could be easier when you're presenting on a screen, you maybe not can't see everyone, you know, it could be easy. And I think it's really critical in those early days to, to build up those that relationship, which is still really doable, you know all delivered projects where I've not actually met any of the clients and had really good relationships with people but I think it is yeah like you say really important at that early outset to, to set to set the standard. I, I agree with that I mean I think there are there are certain things in our projects uh, implementations particularly which are a bit harder remotely if I'm honest um, uh, testing definitely is one of them and I think we all find that um, but I think the one thing that that I have missed the most really in 
the sort of day-to-day project management is just the ability to have quick and easy conversations um, over a cup of tea or with the person sat just behind you. Um, the little things that move actions forward and move actions forward really quickly um, now needs to be agenda items at a meeting. Um, and it doesn't always sit in quite that kind of environment for me. It's, it's those quick, easy conversations, I think, are the things that uh, I, I absolutely miss within my day-to-day role the most. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? Everything becomes <clears throat> has had to become more kind of formal, structured, agendaized, as you say. But actually, one of the key arts that you do have, or key skills that you guys have as project managers, is that ability to to kind of you know, like you say, just have an informal chat to facilitate decisions being made, you know, to prompt people without it all being kind of. Particularly when you're dealing with different characters, some people want the formal setting. Some people actually want a little, not quite off the record, but just a little chat to sense check what they're saying before they say it out loud. Um, yeah. So, do you see that actually? It's, it's an interesting point around when you're in those kind of more formal meetings, everyone's on the screen. Do you find that some of your project team members are more reluctant to contribute because it's almost like it makes it a matter of record and everyone's going to hear it? That that kind of um, yeah concern, I suppose, from some of your project members. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I think it is some people might have a camera off, you know, or yeah, there might be certain characters that might dominate the room a little bit more. So yeah, you could, or or people are then more, maybe more reliant on those characters who do speak up a bit more and are a bit more confident to, to talk. So therefore they might be missing out. And I completely agree with what Andrew says. It's, it's some of those little things in projects or those small conversations that, back to what I was saying at the start about that communication so you're trying to think of those different ways that you can facilitate maybe those cup of coffee moments without seeming too formal and I think definitely at the start if you were calling someone it was almost like what you know it's not just for a chat whereas I think now people have become a bit more relaxed and you can maybe just have a call with people on your project team just to see how it's going and and, and move those those things forward without a formal formal agenda item but yeah Andrew you agree I think that um, I've adapted how I communicate with people in a, in a couple of ways um, to, to get over the limitations of uh, sort of that formal Teams meeting. Um, I'm definitely always one for asking everybody, if you know what I mean. So if someone hasn't spoken for a while, asking them what they think, um, asking them a direct question, bringing them into the conversation, making sure that at the end of a, a meeting, if there's any other business, we go around the whole room, um, even the, the sort of guest at the meeting, if you know what I mean, I'll always bring them into that conversation. Uh, and I think the other thing that I have, well, I'd like to think I've become much better at, probably still some way to go sometimes, um, is making much better use of the full rage log. So not just treating it as a risk register, but particularly actions and decisions and um, keeping that action list live because it really turns into the agenda often of meetings where you've got those items that you want to discuss the items that would have been a quick quick conversation over a cup of coffee two and a half years ago now bring you to a meeting but just to make sure i'm not forgetting them essentially is just keeping track very much on that raid log um and and keeping that kind of record keeping more up to date than maybe I would have done previously. 
Cool. No, that's really interesting. And I think, yeah, a lot obviously has changed. And we've obviously all heard that term, though, you know, the whole world's changed in the last two years. We all know that. But I think just hearing how that has trickled down into your day to day activities and some of the challenges it presents to you um, is quite interesting, actually. And like you say, communication is the one, the massive thing that has changed. And, and that's such a big part of your role. Um, it, it It's obviously presented some challenges, but I wondered if if there's some perhaps there's some opportunities um whether you have found any opportunities within kind of you know some of your activities now taking place online and if you were in person would you carry you know if your role was full-time in person again would you carry those practices back to kind of that you know everyday kind of role it's going to be very weird when we do a show and tell uh, in person and uh, nobody's able to record it uh, for a start because I mean, all, all of that kind of recording of activity, we do that all of the time now because you've got a record of that conversation you can go back to. Um, and yeah, obviously doing that in person is slightly, slightly different, but uh, I think that will, yeah, we'll, we'll have to change back to old habits in, in some of that regard. Yeah, I think I agree actually on that point. It's sort of one of the benefits, I think, actually, is maybe even more the availability of people, senior people. I think, you know, previously they probably were in back to back meetings on site every day, but actually now maybe more people actually are available and we've had more time with people um, because, you know, there is people at home or, or, you know, less people on site. So I think actually the availability of people for meetings has probably increased somewhat. But like Andrew said, like actually the ability to record something has been really, really valuable. Not, you probably wouldn't go back and watch the whole thing, but just pick up on slight, slight nuances um, is probably something that yeah, we'll have to adapt to when, when going forward. But um, yeah, I think there's, there's definitely been some positives, definitely. Yeah, thanks, Bri. That's it. That's interesting. So I'm actually going to just go back about um, just a comment you made not that long ago, actually, Andrew, about um, the issues log and about how much how important that's become or that or that is for you as a project manager and actually just focus on one thing there which is the the d part of that the decision making because i think you know you when you opened up the conversation you were talking about organizational skills you know and the project manager's role to move things forward to tell people what they need to do when they need to do it manage dependencies etc would you also add into that that one of the key um, requirements of a good project manager um, is to ensure timely, clear and timely decision making, I think is probably how we would describe it. Is that, would you say that that's up there as, as one of those top skills, top responsibilities actually? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, our role is not to make those decisions. Um, our role is to facilitate the decision making, uh, make sure the right person has the right information to make the right decision at the right time. Um, we've all worked with clients who like to talk, um, talk around a decision. Uh, and it's a difficult part of our role, I think, sometimes to to really push that conversation forward to get to the end, to, to push a decision through. Um, but that's a, a huge part of our role. And I think that's a huge part of our role from those kind of senior board members all the way down. So it's not just getting a decision out of the project team. It might be getting a decision out of your sponsor, might be getting a decision out of the partner. It might be getting a decision from an SME. So that 
it's something that we do with every level uh, of um, sort of project team member that we work with. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It is about that. Our role is about enabling people to feel confident in those decision making. So I think that's a really, yeah, really important. We need to be give give the client the confidence and empower them to make those decisions and feel confident with all the information they have. I think that's a really interesting word, actually, Billy. It's it's giving them the confidence to make the decision. So it's not just providing them the right information, though, though clearly that's part of it. But it's giving them the insight behind that information. And this is certainly something which I'm asked to do regularly uh, at my current client. I provide project board papers. It's a factual account of the project, where, where things are up to, some risks, issues, et cetera. But then I'm asked quite explicitly, what's the insight? What is your opinion? What is behind all of this fact that we want you to tell us so that we feel confident to make the right decision as a project board? Um, and I think that's a, a really big part of our role. It's what's behind the actual detail um, to give the right people the right confidence at the right time. <coughs> yeah, thanks, Andrew. And I think that's. Um... That's right, isn't it? It's you said insight. I think what I see is that people want to understand the impact of the decisions they make. That's that's a key part of that, isn't it? And would you say that that's for both of you? That's where having that experience across multiple multiple projects, multiple clients, multiple types of projects, multiple types of clients, multiple partners, multiple personalities involved. You know, that's the kind of the the work experience you bring to bear, so that that. When you're talking to the specific client and tailoring your your advice, it's drawing all of that knowledge to give them confidence, as you said, Billy, yeah, to make that decision. But but yeah, that's really where that breadth of knowledge and depth of knowledge you have comes really comes into its own. Is that fair? Absolutely, absolutely. And and I'd actually add, I think that's where the advantages of working with a practice for for me as a project manager, but also the client, um. I can draw on Billy's experience. I can draw on my other colleagues' experiences as well, and and vice versa, and bring that into the equation, uh, in the insights uh, and information that I'm passing to uh, to a client as well. Yeah, and I think um, it's definitely about learning the lessons of where things went well, and and maybe actually reflecting on actually, okay, that didn't quite work for that client. So why is that and do some internal reflecting, which I think we are we're actually really good at as well internally, you know, we wouldn't necessarily share all that with the new client, but maybe why it could have gone differently. But we can take those learnings, apply the lessons. And I think actually sometimes learning from where things maybe didn't go as well is actually just as valuable and then tweaking and changing as we've as we've gone. And I've found that I've definitely done that as I've gone through the different projects we have uh, that I've done. Yeah, and I think what I like of what I see of you guys doing that is that it's not a case of, um, you know, you you complete a project, learn lessons from it and apply that to your next project. But I see that as something that you guys are doing continually, actually. And, I, you know, so Andrew, I'll take your point about working as a practice. I definitely see you exchanging those ideas, you know, Billy, um, where you say about, you know, this this approach worked for that client, you know, for oh, this person at that client. Um, but it's not working here and you can kind of reach out and, okay who else is you know what other approaches are there but i do see then you guys have the confidence to i say to change tack you know we're not talking radical but to to try out different methods because you know that each of those methods is can be successful it's about the right method for the right client at the right time 
Is that yeah. something you recognise? Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's it. It's just about, you know, being honest and just understanding where where we've done things well. But like you say, that we've all got lots of different experience of bringing that together and collectively thinking about how that would work for the characters involved, the type of project. You know, sometimes things need to get done in six months versus 12 months. So we need a slightly different approach and a slightly different maybe way of doing it. But I think we've got that flexibility and we've got the experience across the practice. Where, where we've done projects and we, we draw on that. I think that's invaluable. I, I absolutely agree. Um, and I definitely agree, Rob. I, I'm, I reflect on my practice all the time, um, wanting to improve, wanting to do better. If I had done something different, would, would I have a better outcome for the client, for the project? Um, and using that all the time. And I'm, I'm only advantageous position at the moment of working on a, a long project um, so I've got the the time at least within the calendar if not uh, the time within my sort of day-to-day -day week um, to, to really look back reflect lessons learned on our, a release by release basis uh, almost and, and what can we do better um, to make the experience more positive for the client make the outcome better for the client um, when we do uh, the next activity. Yeah, no, it's really, uh, really interesting. And is that something that you then play into clients as well? Because, you know, so one of the one of the descriptions we, we use about ourselves is that we're a critical friend, you know, and that's about providing the right advice to clients at the right time, not just what they want to hear, you know, telling them what they need to hear, that kind of idea. Does that apply to that kind of lessons learned piece as well? And, and does that fit into your role actually as the kind of the expert and the project manager that you are playing into, the, you know, just it's a bit of almost mentoring along the way, you know, helping them to be better in their roles because it's not their role, their job. Andrew, as you were saying, no, it's not their specialism. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, while I don't think that we're sort of, I don't think that we're down to sort of train people up to be um, business leads, tech leads, whatever it might be. Clearly, people need to be bought into those roles to to a degree. We need, and it's our job, I think, to to, to mentor them, to to identify where there might be some missing skills, and facilitate some of that learning if necessary. Both ourselves and the partners, though, importantly, because partners' methodology. Um, requires different things from the client so a very very agile delivery requires something quite different from the client business lead product owner than a, a much more waterfall project now i think part of our role is to recognize those delivery methods and to support the client in those but i think the partner has a role there as well in helping to bring the skill set of, of the client project team uh, up to their delivery method. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really good point. I, I, I think there is definitely an element of education sometimes. I think it will again depend on the experience and skills of the of the client that we're working with. For some clients, you know, delivering projects might be really challenging, or they've had challenging projects in the past, and there might be negative connotations with certain technology projects across the sector. And I think that's definitely trying to overcome that and, um, and give the client that confidence. Um, and yeah, I think there is I think there is an education piece slightly in there about especially moving forward because there'll be other projects they might do on their own. So any sort of insight that we can give them on that, I think will, will help them as we go through the process. 
I suppose, though, I've been just thinking about it a little bit. Um, the client's role. Working in a project may be unfamiliar to them, but the things that they're talking about and doing in the project should be very familiar. It, it's their business activity, so their their membership renewals program, their data, uh, their direct debit processing, their case management, how, how they do things. So it should all be for for the client talking about, thinking about, testing out functionality that helps them do their job that's something that they are familiar with and perhaps part of our role is to be that buffer um take the take the bits of project that are very unfamiliar um and take a lot of that on ourselves or, or help mentor the client in in some of that part of it while they just talk about what they do um test what they do in a role that's much more familiar with them so I think, yeah, so part of our role, I think, is to take some of the stress of project in inverted commas uh, away from the client uh, and deal with it ourselves. Do you know, I think that's a really nice um, description of something that you guys do do, actually, and, and a really nice way of putting it, because what you're saying is essentially they're putting their faith in you to to make sure that they're saying they're, they're sharing what they need to share. They're fulfilling their roles. You're taking them on that journey, aren't they? Aren't you? And and that takes away the that stress element so that they then have the freedom to focus on, well, this is what I do, this is what I need to achieve in my role, so that they can play that into the partner and then the partner can provision the technology that enables them to do it. Yeah. So they're not worried about almost they're not necessarily worried about what happens next, what happens with this knowledge I'm sharing. Yeah. They're comfortable that you're saying to them, look, you just need to tell these guys what's going on, yeah, what you what you need to do, and they'll um make sense of it almost. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, leave the project to us and the partner. Just talk yeah. about what you do and and the things you are familiar with. Um, but I wonder whether there's a bit of a value added um, that we are able to give uh, because of our experience, because of of our colleagues and working together. Um, that we're a little bit more than a textbook project manager in that regard. We're we're managing the project as a beginning middle and end but we're also managing um, managing a lot of things around the periphery which aren't necessarily part of the delivery part of the deliverable but provides the client with the service the confidence the the information whatever it might be and i think there is yeah we we, we do a bit more there's a bit of a gray area i think where our role as a project manager might end with a lot of clients uh, but that's part of why i think um people buy into heart square if i'm honest yeah and i would i would agree with that and i think another thing that in terms of skills i think we bring that maybe is, is that is that staying calm under pressure it's lots of different pressurized environments things can go wrong will go wrong on a project but i think it is about maintaining calm giving the client that confidence that we, you know, we will find an answer and there is a solution and you might not know straight away, but I think exuding that calm profile and not showing maybe the stress and keeping focus on the solution and keeping them on the track of the decisions that need to be made and we can handle some of the stuff outside of it. Like Andrew says, I think we do go above and beyond and we're not just a textbook project manager. I don't think we can be because of the projects we manage, but I think it's really important that we stay calm 
and there will there is always a solution 99 times out of 100 there's a solution I wouldn't say 100 but you know there is there is always a solution and we can find it and we will go above and beyond yeah I think that's a really good really good point um and I agree with you you know I've certainly seen that happen where we're, yeah, we're saying to clients look there is a solution it's just a question of finding the right solution yeah everything everything has an answer everything has an outcome uh, and we can get you to where you need to be the only question is which journey are we going to go on to get there um but yeah no interesting to hear that back from you i have one sorry i know i appreciate where we are timing wise um i have just one kind of question to ask which is you know we talked about the, the kind of the brief actually is around project managers successful project management of digital projects and yet we haven't talked about technology at all in in this which is interesting to me um is it would you so would you agree uh, being familiar with the technology is i would think is helpful um what i'm looking for actually is for you probably to then couch that in the right terms you know is being familiar with the technology is it about being confident is it about do you, do you need to know specific technologies where where does that sit in the mix um that's a really good question actually um personally personally i'm reasonably tech happy tech savvy um i'm comfortable with data and the principles of data migration um, i'm learning much more about api endpoints and sso claims than i i ever thought i would a few weeks or so ago for me personally i feel more comfortable when i have a a level of knowledge about the tech and the tech conversations that are happening. Um, that's how I, that's how I like to be. I don't feel confident in my ability to manage some of those more technical work streams if I don't understand them. But we have colleagues at Heart Square who don't don't get it, don't understand it, don't want to and are absolutely successful project managers um, there's no doubt about that uh, i feel like all the different systems that we implement you can have uh, i think you need a base level of understanding but i think you know i think if you go back to those core principles of what, what we're doing i don't i don't think you you need them to be successful but i think it's i think i do think it's important that we have a base level of understanding of what the client is wanting to achieve um, because I think that will then help us articulate the, the certain positions and you know, there are some overly technical data streams. But I think that's where I would rely on the key people and building up those relationships with their data leader, both the partner and the, the client, uh, client uh, technology partners to deliver that. So I think it's just about that balance. But I do think you probably need a base level of understanding of the solutions that we are delivering. It, it's, the, it's the partner's job to be technical. Uh, ultimately, um, as I say, for me personally, I like to have a at least an understanding. Um, I'm not shy about asking stupid questions if I don't get it. Um, but that's just me personally. Um, I don't think it's part of our role necessarily. And certainly we, we won't get heavily involved in a solution, setting up searches, reports, anything like that, or, or doing any configuration. That's absolutely not what we're, we're there for in any way shape or form um so it's not a prerequisite that technical knowledge but i like to have it personally cool and i think i think that's really interesting actually and it's a it's kind of a parallel we often draw with 
what we discuss at Heart Square, you know, it's the people behind the projects, they're the ones behind the technology and the technology is just the enabler. So I guess that's part of the aspect um, that follows through to what you were saying there as well. Um, just conscious of time, I'm coming to the end of this podcast today. I just wondered if I could ask you both a final question. Um, considering kind of what we've discussed today and the topics we discussed, um, what would your kind of key takeaway or key aspects that would you would say it is the most kind of important aspect or one that you kind of think is the core aspect to be sort of a successful project manager really that could be you know a skill an attribute or a responsibility just to get your thoughts on that as a final final question yeah I think I'll, I'll start I think I think there's there's two things for me I think one is having that communication but also knowing who you're communicating to so know the audience and tailor tailor that appropriately but I think another one is confidence I think it is our job to give the client confidence to give the technology partner confidence but also be confident in the messages we're delivering and I think if we can deliver those messages confidently um, then I think that really enhances our reputation um, to get things done and as project managers and it gives the gives everyone else confidence that you know we've got this under control so I think those would be my main two takeaways and sort of thoughts on it. No, I, I was going to say confidence as well, Billy. You, you've snatched that from me. Uh, but no, I completely agree. I think it's our confidence is what gets people through it at the difficult times. Um, our confident solution or, or our confident presentation of a plan or a replan, um, confidence behind uh, mitigation for risks, things like that is what gives people the uh, the confidence in our abilities and the confidence that uh, that the project will progress successfully. Uh, but I think I'll go back to where we started as well. I think it's being organised and communicating that organisation well to the right people. Um, as I say, I think uh, oversimplifying it, but project management is getting the right things done by the right people at the right time to progress uh, the project through. Um, and yeah, organisation, communications and confidence, I think, are the key abilities required there. Cool. No, that's a really great point to end on. So um, I just want to thank you both um, for taking part in our podcast today. And um, yeah, it was really great to get your thoughts on this topic. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank Thanks, you So we hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Andrew and Billy. It was really great to have them on the podcast this week and hear from their experience. Um, the thing I found really interesting, I think, was hearing how much confidence plays an important role um, and being that reassuring voice during a project seems so valuable. Yeah, definitely. It was a, a good, really good point they made. Um, I think it applied to and being confident based on their own experience, like you say, giving confidence to clients, which is a really critical thing. And interestingly, because we had that conversation, a piece of the conversation there about, you know, the role when we talk about digital projects and how familiar you have to be with the technology, because it hadn't really come out as a key thing. Um, and I think that plays into being, you know, they were really kind of saying you need to be kind of confident with tech, a little bit tech smart, as, as we would describe it. Um, but that's it, you know, you're not there to be an expert in the technology. You're there to drive decision making, to organise people. Andrew, I think was really eloquent in saying, you know, it's about getting the right people to make the right decisions at the right time based on the right information. That's the kind of mission and it moves everything forward. Um, so, yeah, really good insights from the pair of them. Yeah, definitely. 
So if you did enjoy the episode as much as we did, be sure to leave a review and subscribe so you get notified of the latest episodes. Don't forget you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter by searching Heart Square where you, where you will find loads more content on leadership, digital culture and capability. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.